genre. Welcome back to Doctor's Companion Presents Doctor Who, The Long Way Around, the weekly podcast where we review and discuss every episode of Doctor Who, one doctor at a time. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. I'm Nick Jimenez. And I'm Scott Corelli. And today on the show, we'll be discussing The Tomb of the Cybermen, the second doctor's eighth story. Mm hmm. Uh, so, a couple of things that are interesting about uh, uh, Tomb of the Cybermen. Um, one, so like at this time, the producer of the show was Innis Lloyd and the story editors were Jerry Davis and Peter Bryant. For those of you following along at home and, and, and maybe the, uh, the credits don't mean, uh, much to you at the moment, the, the concept of like a showrunner was very different back in uh in this era of bbc now you have like a stephen moffat and yes he had like a producer who was doing the sort of business side of things but the producer is not typically creatively involved so back in the day you know you had your producer and then you had your story editors story editors were kind of like the role that stephen moffat or russell c davies or chris chibnall has now um, which is that they sort of oversee the scripts. They do any rewrites um, on the scripts. The difference being that story editors were not allowed to have screenplay credit due to BBC rules prohibiting story editors or producers from having credits on the episode as writers. It was like some sort of um, BBC union dispute thing. So the story editors currently, Jerry Davis, Peter Bryant, producer in his Lloyd. And what happens is that you have Jerry Davis, who is thinking about leaving the show and as well as um, in his Lloyd, they're both thinking about leaving the show. And uh, as we talked about last time, we talked about uh, an episode with um, the censorites. Uh, they had gotten into the habit of filming the first story of the next season as the last story of the filming block of the previous season, so that when they start the next season, they're already one story ahead of the game. And so the same thing was going to happen with Tomb of the Cybermen. Tomb of the Cybermen was going to be the last story shot for season four, even though it was going to be the first episode of season five. And with Ennis Lloyd and Jerry Davis both being like, ah, we're thinking we might leave, um, BBC and Sidney Newman head of uh, drama, decided that they should give somebody else a shot at producing and script editing. As a result, Peter Bryant, who was the previous one of the story editors, the Jerry Davis's sort of like assistant story editor, was upgraded to producer for Tomb of the Cybermen. And the story editing was done by uh, Victor Pemberton, who was Peter Bryant's assistant, but this is the only story that he ever did story editor for because he did not care for the job and um, 
ended up sort of just bailing on the production as a whole. Uh, yeah, so we have Jerry Davis freed up. And the thing about that is that Kit Pedler, the creator of the Cybermen, who was not a sort of professional writer in any sense, he kind of struggled with writing scripts for television, um, was told that because of the popularity of the Daleks, you know, Doctor Who needed a new Daleks. And that ended up being the Cybermen, or so it seemed. And so they just kept going back to Kip Peddler to write Cybermen stories the same way that they did with um, uh, Terry Nation. Yes, Terry Nation. Thank you. Um, Terry Nation about the Daleks because they were like, oh, well, you created them, so you should write all the stories. But Kip Peddler, um, not as comfortable writing as uh, Terry Nation, who some might say is too comfortable writing. Um, <laughs> but but Kit Peddler was like, okay, like I'll write a new story, but like I need some help. And Jerry Davis, who for this story would not be would not have a story editor credit, um, was able to co-write and get sto- get written by credit with Kit Peddler on Tomb of the Cybermen. So Kit Peddler and Jerry Davis wrote this one together. Tomb of the Cybermen was originally going to be called Planet of the Cybermen, mm. um, which was then changed to what was the secondary? The Ice Tombs of Tello, Telos. Take Telos? How do you say Telos, that? I think. Telos. Telos? Yeah. Um, the Ice Tombs of Telos, which I actually really like as a name just because it doesn't spoil the reveal of the Cybermen. However, you find out that it's a Cyberman story very, very quickly. So at the same time, I'm not super bothered by the, the spoiler. Yeah, they're on the door. <clears throat> right. Exactly. They're on the entrance to the tomb. Um, but you know, there's a solid 10 minutes where you don't know <laughs> that you're watching a Cyberman story. Um, I like how ice tombs of Tello's scans with werewolves of London. Yeah. <laughs> Ice tombs of Telos. <laughs> Other fun things in this one. We have like a couple of uh, of fun stories. So one of which is, and, and Nick and I were looking up this actress and trying to figure out what her deal was. Um, and then it wasn't until I started doing my research that I, uh, I found out. So um, we have Shirley Cookin, Cooklin. Uh, who plays Miss Cafton in the story, the sort of evil, unfortunately brown-faced Miss Cafton. Secondary villain. Secondary villain, uh, constantly wanting to pull switches and push buttons throughout Mm -hmm. this story. She is Peter Bryant's wife. That's why she was cast in this. But no one knew that she was Peter Bryant's wife. And so um, between setups and things, Fraser Hines was kind of into her like had the hots for her and so between setups was constantly flirting with her and asking her out and she was too embarrassed to say that her husband was his boss but uh he later found out and was uh embarrassed to oh say my the God. least yeah so that was happening a lot on this also happening was that this was shot in the mid- middle of the summer which they try to avoid um at the time because you know they didn't air condition any of these sound stages because um, the that would cause noise and you can't have that. <clears throat> so it was really hot in in these tombs and um, everyone's wearing jackets because it's supposed to be cold, mm-hmm. uh, but it's not. It's a scorcher. And uh, so there was a moment and it's actually in the episode where um, Shirley's character is unconscious because she gets shot or whatever. And um, or maybe she's not, maybe she's just dead. Uh, I don't remember um, which which period of time it was. Mm-hmm. But um, 
she just like legit fell asleep. And so she's just asleep, like full blown asleep <laughs> in those scenes where she's unconscious or dead or whatever. And uh, she actually ruined a take at one point because she was snoring during the take. That's funny. Uh, because she was like straight up asleep because of how hot it was in there. Because, you know, when you get super hot, like sometimes you get sleepy. Sure. Um, so uh, that happened. And then seen the, a cat. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then uh, De- Deborah Watling, uh, who plays Victoria, um, during the production of episode three, she had the flu. Oh, no. Yeah. So that wasn't fun for anybody involved, I could imagine. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, other fun things, the violence of this episode, um, specifically the cyber controller's head uh, blowing up and uh, another Cyberman getting his innards like pulled out with like liquid and stuff yeah. going everywhere. So the violence of that um, was very controversial at the time uh, to the point that Kit Peddler uh, the co-writer of the episode, creator of the Cybermen, actually had to go onto uh, the BBC commentary program Talkback uh, to debate the issue and defend the show. That's interesting. It was a big time. It was like wow. everyone, no one had seen anything like that in what was ostensibly a children's show at the time. Sure. So to say nothing, of, <clears throat> that's interesting because like the show would only become more violent. I think in just a few years. Mm-hmm. I wonder if we're gonna come back to this in future, or if other episodes were like, hey. Uh, uh, big time. Okay, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. We'll definitely big get time. back to more of that as we go along. I think we already talked about it a little bit in the Six Doctor era. Yeah, um, the violence of because that one's also a Cyberman story, right? Attack That's true. Of, yeah, man. Attack something about the Cyberman <laughs> story brings on the blood and gore. I don't know what that's about because they're zombies. <clears throat> yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, the only other part that I just thought was fun was that every episode of Tomb of the Cybermen, as it aired, was immediately followed by an episode of The Dick Van Dyke Show. <laughs> I don't know why that tickles me, but for some reason it really does. Um, so, uh, yeah. So there you go. That's, uh, that's, that's the, a, the that, 401 on Tomb of the Cybermen. Yeah. Really interesting one today. Yeah, yeah. Um, really in the weeds but yeah at least there's some interesting stuff for sure so let's talk about episode one tomb of the cybermen part one written by kit peddler and jerry davis directed by morris barry produced by peter bryant script edited by victor pemberton air date september 2nd 1967 On the planet Telos, an archaeological expedition uncovers a hidden entrance by blowing up a mountainside. When one of the members tries to open the doors, he is electrocuted. As this happens, the TARDIS lands nearby, and the second doctor, Jamie, and Victoria stumble onto the scene and are met with suspicion. Perry, the expedition's leader, explains they are here to find the remains of the Cybermen, who apparently died out five centuries ago. The expedition is funded by Kaftan, who is accompanied by her servant Toberman and her colleague Klieg. Deciding to come with them, the doctor helps open the doors. The group splits up to explore the building, while the doctor stays in the main control room with the expedition leader and Klieg to open a mysterious hatch. Victoria, Kaftan, and one of the other men discover a chamber with a sarcophagus-looking device on the wall facing some machinery that was apparently used to revitalize the Cybermen. After Victoria is locked inside, the doctor is called to help her escape, and he suspects Kaftan is to blame for the incident. Meanwhile, Jamie and Hayden, another member of the expedition, experiment with a control panel in another smaller room. After activating a certain combination, a Cyberman pops up from out of nowhere and fires a gun, 
killing Hayden. I like how big of a cast we start out with, and then slowly they all just kind of die or um, disappear. Um, it's a huge cast. I yeah. was remarking on that while we were watching it. It's it's like there's like twelve people on their team, yeah. right? It's, mm-hmm. like it's a proper expedition. Mm-hmm. If it, it's if, crazy, it feels very much like a I don't know, almost like an Alan Quartermain novel, or like a I don't know, yeah, just like this big sprawling like expedition of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, is this the best first adventure for a companion? And I say first adventure, adventure, not counting the one where they meet the doctor, because that doesn't count because they're not a companion. Oh, yet. You, so you would consider the beast below to be Amy Pond's first adventure? Yes, that's what I would say. Yeah. First, first adventure as a companion. Is this the best one? I don't know. I don't know that I can think of a better one. Can we get broad? Can I say broad stuff? Sure. Okay. Um, I will say that this was really cool to watch from that perspective because I really started the episode not liking Victoria. Oh. And being like, I don't know. Like, who is she? Like, she's so like, oh, I don't know. She's kind of a disappointment from like Polly and Susan and Barbara. And then she started just like having moments of like, I'm going to do this or like, I'm doing this or she was and like, yeah. And I was like, oh, Victoria's cool. Like, and so I ended being like, I really like, so like that was a fun trip to go on. Yeah. That's awesome. perspective. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really cool. Victoria is cool. I just don't know that she's teamed up with the right doctor companion combo. Um, I think she would be better with someone else. Um, just because her and Jamie are similar a little too, cause they're, they're both from similar time periods, yeah. you know? Um, and they're, they're both from like the past and they're like, oh, wow, this is so crazy. It's why I like Zoe and Jamie so much because Mm -hmm. they complement each other because they're opposites. You haven't met Zoe yet, but you will. And Um, you'll love her too. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Cause like at first I was, I was worried really more than anything. Cause I thought they were writing her very damselly. And I was like, oh, I don't know if that's not Dr. Who to me. And, and, and then what, what by the end, what I like about Jamie in this episode is he was very like shaggy like. Yeah. And Victoria seemed to be coming more and more like foot forward mm. to me. I don't know what's coming. So that dynamic to me has potential. Okay. That's cool. Cause like what I liked about, I love that Jamie's always the first to escape. It's <laughs> <laughs> always like first, last one in, first one out. Yeah. Yeah. The doctor reveals that he's 450 years old. I forgot to mention this in the background. So he mentions that he's 450 years old, give or take. I guess their thought process on that age was that in a previous episode, I guess the first doctor mentioned that he was 650 years old. And now the second doctor is saying 450 years old. And they're saying that that's because when he rejuvenated himself, he lost 200 years. Oh, that's funny. Which which is, which is like kind of like adding credence to the fact of like what our theory has always been, which is that at the time they didn't think of, Troughton is the second doctor. They thought of him as a younger version of the first doctor. Mm-hmm. That that the rejuvenation was a literal de-aging of that doctor, not like becoming a new person. Not becoming a new person, like regeneration, like we we eventually get with um Pertwee, I think is the first time that they are like, okay, maybe this is what it is. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting that at the time they're like, yeah, so he's only 450 years old, despite existing for 650. Um, you know, the, the part that's important is the internal age, not the external age. 
which I, I think is an interesting way to think about aging. This is our, our return to uh, Planet Quarry. Yes. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> this is the introduction of Telos, which is not the origin planet of the Cybermen, but is a planet that they took over and and like changed everybody on the planet to being a Cyberman. It's like they're it's like their their secondary planet. <laughs> it's their home away from home. Right. Because the the tenth planet is the one that moves around, right? Mon Mondas. Mon- Mondas, yeah. 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 Uh, Mondas is their origin planet. And then T so is Telos te- or Telos, isn't that mentioned in the Russell T. Davies era as like, is that the name of the company? Maybe that builds the Cybermen? In the alternate universe? Yeah. I th- think so yeah that sounds right right that familiar yeah that's interesting it must i don't be know like that i've a, ever put that together before I'm like i don't know if it's exactly the same i don't know i don't remember <laughs> it's been too long since i've seen that one so once they get inside the tomb which there's some rigmarole about you know electrified front doors and mm-hmm. all of that a man dies a man dies <laughs> um no Scott. big deal rigmarole yeah rigmarole <laughs> a man dies, and then his body is gone at the end of the story. So I don't know what happened to him. Oh, I don't they know took they him to the rocket. Oh, they did? Yeah. Okay. The right, captain fair. was just like, all right, well, that's crazy. Also, I'm obsessed with the captain. Like, he has such, like, an old-school Hollywood voice. It's, like, the, the American best. guy? Yes. Yes. Yeah, we were talking okay. about him the whole so time. So here's my thing with American guy. Yeah. He is either, maybe by some sliver of a chance, that's actually his natural, like, accent. <laughs> But it sounded like an English person doing kind of a strained American accent, which, hey, no judgment. Sure. My question is, why did that character have to be American? Maybe it was just a choice he made. This guy's an asshole. That's fair enough. Yeah. (laughs) This guy's a huge tool that doesn't listen to anybody (laughs) and bumbles his way through every situation. Including name preferences. Yes. Um, Right. Just Victoria just constantly telling him to stop calling her Vic and he never listens. Mm -hmm. He just keeps condescendingly calling her Vic. And because he's calling her Vic, everyone else calls her Vic. Yeah. Like the first mate. Yeah. The best thing he does is wander out of the show for a whole episode. (laughs) (laughs) But once they're inside, they're like, wow, there's that's it. It's just this one room. And then that thing that's sealed that whatever like there's no doors and the doctor's like actually there are doors if you flip these switches and i'm like how did you not see those as doors they literally have door frames right yeah they're just like wow completely sealed there's no (laughs) doors anywhere and it's like guys those have door frames you know what a door frame is i'd like to point out for the listener's sake that uh the sets of these uh, on the doors and on the walls they have these really cool ancient cybermen hieroglyphics yeah that's pretty cool. They're really fun. I like that a lot. How far how far into the future are we? Because like the Cybermen have been like dead for like 500 years or whatever. Yeah, the dude mentions right. that they've been like long dead and long defeated. Like yeah. how and they're all from Earth. So is is there like a time period that this is supposed to take place in or Is this could this be even post sensorites? Like 29th Let century? Let me see if there is a a century. Uh twenty-fifth century. Okay. Um, so That's, before sensorites. Yeah. Twenty-fifth century. Huh. So before yeah, the there Battle you go. of Yavin. Mm-hmm. 
One thing I'd like to point out to kind of that I noticed in this episode, because this is like not a reconstruction, were you able to watch this? Oh, yeah. On BritBox? Yeah. And seeing Patrick Troughton act and move around for the first time, I could really... I always remember seeing interviews with Matt Smith where he said that Patrick Troughton was where he drew like the most inspiration from. Mm -hmm. And like, I think for the first time, I really got to appreciate that. Yeah. And this isn't even... I wouldn't even say that this is like Troughton at his most Troughton-y. No. He, like the, I feel like the ensemble is so large that it's hard for him to stand out amongst them. He kind of had to play the role in every kind of one of these movies of like, don't open the tomb. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't do that. Do this though. Listen to me. <laughs> yeah. He was also surprisingly cowardly, but in a fun way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's kind of Troughton's thing though. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. He does do that a lot where he, and a lot of times too, he acts cowardly, even though he's not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just to like throw up. people off. He does that a lot. That thing where like, he'll be like, no, listen here, you, but then like the Cybermen will like stand up all the way and he'll be like, oh, on, on, on second thought. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> Is this right. the first one we've watched that exists completely? There's one, there, there's one that had one episode, I think, but that was it. Everything else has been reconstructions for second doctor. Because that's I, what I was remembering. Because I remember seeing him and Polly and Ben a little faceless bit. Faceless ones, I think, had yeah, one yeah, or two yeah. episodes yeah. available. But that was the only one. And we kept missing the uh, animated reconstructions by, like, right. months. Yeah. <laughs> like, where it would be, like, three months after we cover it, they come out with an animated version. It's like, damn it. That's right. Well, I'm not going to rewatch it again. <laughs> I just watched it. Uh, <laughs> but. Not even Macro Terror. <laughs> I just have the note that um, brown face lady uh, loves pulling switchers. It's just so everyone, funny the way that everyone does. Yeah. But especially her, the, the way that she plays it, where like, as soon as someone's out of the room, she's like, <laughs> and then runs over and like, just can't wait to start pulling, pulling levers and, and flipping switches. Mm-hmm. It's just so funny. Who's the really, I, I, um, who's the like nervous one? I don't remember his name because he dies. Spoilers, he like dies halfway through the story. Um, right. kind of bald guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't remember. He's, uh, he's really nervous funny. guy. Yeah. He's just like, don't touch anything. We have to record it. And then everyone's just like, I want to push all the buttons. And it's really, yeah. really funny. <laughs> yeah. I really liked this first part. It had a very fun, like, Stephen Sommers mummy, mm-hmm. like, tomb raiding energy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this first one's good, and then the 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 end of it is like a a Cyberman dummy target practice thing that pops out, and then somebody gets shot in the back. Yeah, and that's the that's the end of this. You can really see the Prometheus in this. Mm, sure. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Young Ridley Scott watching this on the floor, mm-hmm. <laughs> dreaming away. The Tomb of the Cybermen Part Two. Written by Kit Pedler and Jerry Davis, directed by Morris Berry, produced by Peter Bryant, script edited by Victor Pemberton, air date September 9th, 1967. The rest of the expedition hears the ruckus and comes running. The doctor investigates and deduces that the room was used to test weapons as the Cyberman turns out to be a dummy and the gun fired from behind the two men. Perry wants to call it quits and leave the site and plan it immediately, only to be told by Captain Hopper that someone has sabotaged the rocket ship, leaving them stranded until it's fixed. With no other option but to stay for the time being, Klieg finally manages to open the hatch and the team descend, leaving Kaftan and Victoria behind in the main control room. Underneath the building, the group find the titular Tombs of the Cybermen, an army of whom have all been frozen in little pods. 
Back up above ground, Captain drugs Victoria and reseals the hatch. Using the controls down there, Klieg revives the Cybermen and betrays the group, killing yet another member of the expedition when he tries to stop him. As the Cybermen emerge from their pods, Klieg reveals that he and Kaftan belong to the Brotherhood of Logicians, a cult that possess great intellect but no actual power. He believes the Cybermen will be grateful for their revival and will ally themselves with the Brotherhood to conquer the Earth and the rest of the universe. He dreams pretty big. But after they are unfrozen, the Cybermen revive their leader, the Cyber Controller, and the group are taken as prisoners. So, we didn't talk about the Cybermat last episode, but I yeah. I love the Cybermats. It's adorable. It looks it looks very 90s cuz when you get a close up of it, it has these like weird strained veined eyeballs. Yeah. yeah. So, so the thing with the Cybermat that I thought was interesting in doing my research for this episode was that um you know, so they had the Daleks, and the Daleks were a huge commercial. They were toys. There were all kinds of they stuff. They met the queen. Yeah, they met the queen. Exactly. They were knighted. Um, we we have to refer to them as Sir Daleks <laughs> now, um, <laughs> or Dame Daleks, depending on the Dalek. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, the Daleks were a huge commercial success, and they wanted the Cybermen to be the same thing. The problem was that the, Cyme- the Cybermen were humanoid, which made it very difficult to make toys and things like that. And so the Cybermat was literally created as an easy toy. That's why it looks like that. I love that they like Return of the Jedi it. They're just like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were like, we need a Cyberman that we can make a toy of as easily as we can the Daleks. And so they created the Cybermats. And uh, yeah. I love the idea of a, of, a, of a small British child, like, sleeping with a stuffed Cybermat. It's huge, bulbous eyes scanning around the room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like one of those, uh, those things from the 80s, the, like the glow worm. Oh, like, my God. It would you remember like, those? Yeah. It would be like if you, if you took the eyes of a My Pet monster and glued them onto a, the worm. Oh, onto a glow worm, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I yeah, was, that's I was, pretty accurate. I was super happy every, with a mustache, with a little, mu- yeah. Oh god, yeah, the little whiskers. Yeah, on little the needs a little, little brush, little bristle. <laughs> I yeah. loved them. I loved the way the little tails slunk around as they moved. Mm-hmm. They were a delight. Honestly, I wish I could get one of those, uh, those like vacuum robots, but like it's shaped, yeah, Roomba, but shaped like a Cybermat. Oh my god, that would rule. I don't know. I don't like robots. I don't like bugs, but something about the Cybermats. I'm like, oh, those are so creepy and cute. I love them so much. <laughs> oh. You know what else it They're reminds like round, me of? It know? reminds me of uh, Starfire's pet in uh, Teen Titans. Yeah, her little glowworm thing. Her little glowworm thing. That's what it reminds me of, too. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there's this really great part where at the beginning of this, after that guy gets shot, and everyone's like, that Cyberman shot him. And he's like, no, 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 he got shot in the back. He's like, we should be looking for the culprit behind him. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it's like he's, the doctor's like revealing something like, yeah, of course. If you got shot in the back, that is where you should be looking. Why do we have to say this out loud? <laughs> I think we've established that it's a crew full of idiots. Yeah. Uh, there, there's that Prometheus energy. Mm-hmm. Um, just For a sure. crew full of morons. <laughs> <laughs> really cool sets. I really love the big giant like satellite thing that was moving up and down. Oh, yeah. It was like one of the biggest props I've seen on the show in this era. I like the, um, the big uh, Cyberman tombs thing mm-hmm. that that defrost yeah um they said they set it to defrost it looks like um like, like, yeah. like hollywood squares is it, what it looks like it does look like hollywood squares and when they were <laughs> like 
it actually is kind of alien like when they were sli- when they were kind of moving and slithering around through the film and you mm-hmm. can and see them cracking it way creepier seeing a cyberman being born and crawling out mm-hmm. than seeing them come out of a factory mm-hmm. or, or like an imprint machine you know what i mean yeah it, yeah I, I, it'd be really cool to see the show kind of playing with that more mm-hmm. of them as like an almost an organic entity mm. I don't know. I like it that they're big metal men, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're just in there. They're not like being born. They're just like literally they're, chilling. They're, they're, up. Yeah. They're waking up. They've been frozen. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they set them to the defrost setting and uh, they're slowly. It's, I can't emphasize enough how slowly they defrost and we just have to watch the whole thing. I love it, though. I do too, but it's so slow. And then he turn. Then the doctor's like, "No, no, no!" And then turns it off. And then the the other guy is like, "Yes, yes, yes!" And turns it back on. It, oh yeah, we should mention Krieg. I believe his name Krieg. Was. Yeah, Klieg with an L. Klieg. Yeah, Klieg. Yes, Klieg. he, he kind of reminded me of like Topher Grace and Predators, where he's like convinced that he, yeah he'll he can make these strange aliens his friends. Yeah, I'm going to hug one, and you can't stop me. <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> I want to know um, what this like brotherhood of of logicians does on their spare time. Like the one that's just like because they belong to this like brotherhood or whatever, and they're like, we're going to mm-hmm. use the Cybermen to take over the Earth. Like, mm-hmm. do you just do logic puzzles all day? Like, how do you um, how talk are- about how cool <laughs> it's going to be? Yeah, it's so takeover. funny. <laughs> it's like the Knights Templar, oh, but like squares. It's really funny. Yeah. yeah. It's like, uh, what's well, like that weird club that was dedicated to like finding out who the doctor was? Yeah. That's, I haven't thought about that in a while. Yeah. One of them was Moaning Myrtle. <sighs> that episode's good until it's not. Voice of Babu Freak, Shirley Henderson. <laughs> God, when we have to cover that episode on this show, it'll almost feel like a waste of a 10 episode because he's like not even really in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, can I admit <laughs> something to you guys? Sure. Though? That is the first time I ever heard Mr. Blue Sky by Electric Light Orchestra. Oh. Really? Mm-hmm. First time I ever heard it was in the trailer for Eternal Sunshine. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, Cast, when was the first time you heard I Mr. Blue Sky by I do not remember. <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians Volume 2. No. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, Cleek uh, uh, Cl- Cl- shows up and aims a gun and then fires off screen. And uh, there's an, a guy off screen yells like, look out, and look, look out. Yeah. No, that's, shoots, that's episode three. Oh, that's three. What yeah. is this one? This one's. Is it just them coming out? Yeah. The oh, Cybermen's like, uh, they just, they're like, oh, you'll be like us. We're going to turn you into oh. people. Oh, I remember because it was two in a row ended with a close up on a Cyberman face. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. So Cyberman. Oh yeah. I see. Laser gun is my cliffhanger for episode three. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Um, what do we think of the Cyberman voice? I'm into it. No, I'm not. Not about that not, life. I'm not. I'm not a fan. It takes too long for them to say anything. It drives me crazy. <laughs> it wasn't that bad with hurry. the subtitles on, but it's kind oh, of hard to understand. Those? Yeah. <laughs> I guess my thing with the Cyberman voice that I'm used to is it's just like a more generic Dalek voice. Yeah. Sure. And it's deeper. Yeah. And and that's kind of like I don't like the Cybermen when they're just not as cool Daleks. 
Mm-hmm. So anytime that they were like, oh, this is different, like them rising up and bursting out of film. Yeah. I kind of like the droning, like, it was like I had to kind of listen more, uh-huh. like whenever Bane would talk in Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is he saying? Bane is like, is like 10% Cyberman. Sure. Um, <laughs> I, uh, with kind of like the brittle stuff, like the stubbornness of a Dalek. Uh huh. Yeah. I, uh, uh, I I I think I prefer Tenth Planet Cyberman voice. Mm-hmm. I think it like goes up and down. It like yeah waver- yeah. yeah yeah yeah. I yeah. hear it in my head. Like I'm not one. gonna try to do it. <laughs> yeah, I like that one more. Um, and I like like the way that they sort of adapted that version in um, World Enough in Time and uh, Doctor Falls. Um, mm-hmm. I just like that version. I think mm-hmm. a little bit more. Um, than this because it just feels yeah, like I, I might too now that I'm remembering it yeah I think they just go a little too hard on the computer sounds and because computers were terrible in the 60s yeah. it has to sound like garbage <laughs> yeah he kind of sounded almost like Boomhauer-ish at points <laughs> towards the end of the I don't know like they would really pull a lot of syllables out of a word yeah yeah it's the opposite The Tomb of the Cybermen Part 3 written by Kit Pedler and Jerry Davis directed by Morris Berry, produced by Peter Bryant, script edited by Victor Pemberton, air date September 16, 1967. When Victoria wakes up, she confronts Kaftan, who holds her at gunpoint to prevent her from interfering and reopening the hatch. However, she is attacked and rendered unconscious by a cybermat, which Victoria destroys. After retrieving Captain Hopper and his co-pilot from the rocket, They open the hatch to rescue the others, using smoke grenades to distract the Cybermen. Everyone escapes except Toberman, who is taken to be converted. While the group waits for the rocket to be repaired, Klieg and Kaftan are kept in the weapon testing room. The group is attacked by a swarm of Cybermats, which the Doctor manages to incapacitate with electrical currents. After repairing a cyber gun on the dummy, Klieg and Kaftan return and open the hatch again, still believing that they can reason and work with the Cybermen. This is the one where uh, the actress playing Victoria had the flu, and while she has the flu, she's also dealing with the two, um, the the um, the captain and the co-pilot being a, a dick to her and calling her Vic all the time. Oh, bless! Um, and stopping her from going down and like being really condescending. Yeah, and stuff. yeah, yeah. That was all in this episode. <laughs> um, this is really the start of her having to, like, okay, I'm uh, I'm by myself. I'm gonna have to start making some moves. Yeah. Yeah, she does that really cool thing where um when Klieg and uh what's her face mm-hmm. um have everybody uh, upstairs in the in the main room and they're like um or no, she does. It's just her, I think. I don't think I don't think it's Klieg. I think he's still down in the tomb down down below. Mm-hmm. But um she's got like a gun to everybody. Like she like wakes up and she like has a gun and she's like, you know, I'm going to shoot you guys or whatever and then she screams, which distracts her, and then they like kick the gun out of her yeah, hand and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah it's pretty good. Because she knows that <clears throat> she knows Victoria knows that she knows that about the cyber map because she got zapped before. Yeah. Right. So she's like, oh no, not again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Um, more adorable cyber mats in this episode. I really like the conversation that Victoria has with the doctor in like the really quiet moment of this episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, where the doctor is like talking about, like she's talking about her father, and then mm-hmm. the doctor's like, "Well, 
there's too much to think about because we're the only people in the gout, like the universe that are doing what we're doing. Um, yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. I really like that moment. And it, to me watching it, it, it reminded me how weirdly young he seems mm-hmm. in this early part of the show. Cause it's almost like he's pitching it to her of like, no, look, it doesn't, yeah, people die and it's sad, but you just got to push it out of your brain and keep having fun. <laughs> Cause like, Look how lucky we are to be doing this. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, that's like <laughs> such a, you know what I mean? Like 40 years of like, losing people and having bad stuff happen. And now the doctor is so like, I don't know, so much more weathered now. Yeah, that's true. I think, I think the time war is the big switch there. That's more true than too. anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just always really cool seeing it all work and fit and rhyme. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After. I think I think my favorite moment in this episode is when um the doctor is like uh describing how um how uh, a a cyberman uh, uh could be destroyed and then he's like you could call it a complete metal breakdown and J- Jamie's just like oh like just <laughs> <laughs> it's just so like Ooh. oh doctor come on and he's like I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I love that he apologizes. <laughs> yeah. But he loved it. He loved the joke. A complete metal breakdown. Because if I did a, a bad pun like that, I would not apologize. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Sorry, Jamie. It was a solid pun. Yeah. It was good. Um, but Jamie was not having it. And, but you know what? Uh, you know what they say about puns is that uh, only uh, exceptionally intelligent people like puns because it's like it's like a trigger in your brain that like, it's like, you know, language and whatever. Mm-hmm. And so you have to be really intelligent to appreciate a pun. Um, and, and the fact that Jamie appreciates that pun is like, you know what, man? <laughs> he identified it. I don't know if he appreciated it. I don't know. I, well, yeah, I guess he identified it. I don't know. I, I, I like Jamie a lot. Jamie's the Jamie best. Oh, great. Jamie and two are just like the greatest, yeah. thing, the greatest combo. I was reminded watching this that I think he might be pound for pound, like the greatest companion. Jamie? I don't or my maybe my favorite. Yeah. I don't know. He's he's, just, he's in my top five, I would say. Mm-hmm. Top five companions for sure. I love Jamie so much. And the fact that he's like he's the two's companion almost his entire run. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like minus a story or two stories. Like he's his companion the entire run, all the way to the end. Um, is uh really cool. I was thinking I was thinking about Yaz because I like I think Yaz might be like one of the most like competent companions that's sure. ever been on the show. Yeah, and like what a fun combo those two would be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man, God, I love I love Jamie. He's the best. And then uh, and then yeah, now we get Laser Gun. Yes, yeah. Um, with off off screen shooting, which leads us into episode four, The Tomb of the Cybermen, Part Four. Written by Kit Pedler and Jerry Davis. Directed by Morris Berry. Produced by Peter Bryant. Script edited by Victor Pemberton. Air date September 23rd, 1967. The Cybermen return to their tombs because their energy levels are running low, while the Cyber Controller and a partially converted Toberman meet with the group. Taking the Cyber Controller to the revitalizing chamber, the Doctor attempts to sabotage the process, but it doesn't work and the Controller escapes and turns on them, killing Kaftan. Seeing this, Toberman breaks free of the Cyberman's conditioning and fights the Cyber Controller with his bare hands. The Doctor, Jamie, and Toberman then descend to the hatch once more to freeze the tombs again. Klieg tries to stop them, but he's killed by another Cyberman. 
Toberman beats this one up too, and the doctor reactivates the tombs, hoping they will be frozen there for good. The doctor reseals the hatch and sets up countermeasures to make sure the Cybermen won't be revived again. After resetting the defenses of the building, he discovers the controller is still functional and makes a run for it. The surviving members of the group struggle to keep the controller inside the building, but Toberman sacrifices himself to seal up the electrified front doors, electrocuting himself and the controller. Once the rocket is repaired, the expedition leaves, and the TARDIS crew also take their leave, but don't notice an escaped Cybermat which approaches Toberman's body. I don't know. I, I think, for the most part, I like the first half of this because, like, I feel like the last half of this story kind of drags a little. Mm-hmm. And it sucks that, like, the, like, one of the few, like, actual, um, <laughs> people of color yeah not brown faced lady yeah but like an actual <laughs> yeah he's like brainwashed he doesn't have a whole lot of dialogue anyway and then he's unbrainwashed because his like employer like they call him his the, her servant which i'm like oh that's not good um yeah so she dies and then he's like oh they suck we gotta kill the cybermen so like the doctor takes him back down into the tombs and then he like ends up dying um, right to close it and like that's <clears throat> toberman that's toberman, his name yeah toberman yeah toberman was unfortunate i mean it it it, it sort of his his, mm-hmm. his characterization was very you know just played into a lot of really bad tropes yeah and mm-hmm. really kind of like awkward ha- poorly handled just like text and subtext stuff yeah um i i will say that i think like uh i, I kind of looked into the performer the actor and he's also like had a really storied career as a stuntman at the time oh and so I found myself, and especially when he got his like cool Cyberman arm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, you know, him as his performance and his character sort of rose above a lot of that like gross, awkward stuff. Mm-hmm. And I found myself kind of rooting for him as a character, despite yeah. And, and I think, and Scott pointed out a lot of stuff as we were watching. I think more than on a lot of episodes that I've watched, this one kind of like aged poorly in that regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess the original intention for Toberman was that he was deaf. Um, and that's why he didn't talk much, um, and that they were going to like sign to each other, um, mm-hmm. which I imagine would have been even more of like, uh, uh what, w- what the hell is that? Yeah. Because they probably would have just like been like making like weird. Instead yeah, of using they have actual gone- sign language. Yeah. Right. They wouldn't have used yeah. actual sign language. There's no way. <laughs> Not all um, the time. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, they would have just been like, you know, doing like baseball moves or like, yeah. <laughs> or, or just like made up fake sign language probably, but he was going to be deaf and he was going to have like a, um, like a, a contraption on his head um, to assist with his hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I guess part of the Cybermen thing was that they were going to give him his hearing back. And so like at, in the end of the story, when he rips his humanity back from the Cybermen and saves the day, he was going to be able to hear everyone for the first time in the episode. And I guess eventually they just like ditched all of that because it was like, I don't know if it was just they were spending too much time on it or they didn't think people would get it or what, but they they pulled all of that out of the scripts before they started shooting. But that was the original intention was that like he gets his hearing back because of the Cybermen, but then has to sacrifice his life to save everyone from the Cybermen. Yeah. Yeah. So. Feels like a lateral move. Yeah. Like that would have been, it would have 
given him more characterization, but it also sounds really weird. And I can't imagine the execution would have been great. No, because it sounds yeah. okay, like as yeah. you're saying it right now. But I'm just like, that's uh, it. Probably that probably would have sucked. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he, ultimately, unfortunately, it feels very superfluous or not attached to like the main narrative. Yeah. So it seemed like it could have been like easy. Like, it was like, oh well, this has to cut because it's I don't know. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. He does a really good job of making things look heavy. Yeah, there's I a guess. part where he just like yeets a Cyberman into. Okay, yeah, so <laughs> hell yeah, he 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 struggles with a. I'm painting a picture. He struggles with a human actor in a Cyberman suit, listener. Mm-hmm. But then he struggles, and they get off camera, and then he returns on camera with like an inflatable Cyberman doll, <laughs> and he struggles with that, and then like yeah, launches it into a computer, and lifts it com- over his head, yeah, full out. And then, like, yeah, sparks shoot out. Yeah. It's great. It's incredible. He is also responsible for the controversial, brutal Cyberman death, where he, like, rips the Cyberman's guts out and, like, baking soda bubbles over (laughs) out, like, his cyber guts. Which is so funny because, like, they're like, oh, my God, it's so gory. And it's like, it's baking soda and oil. Yeah. Like, you can't even tell what color it is. Yeah. It's the implication, I guess. Yeah, I guess it's it's the implication. (laughs) Um, it reminds me of like Clone Wars episodes where like like a, a, a droid can get just like eviscerated or like blown apart, but it's okay because he's a robot. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then Toberman goes out as the 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 OG Hodor um, as he holds the door mm-hmm. <laughs> to stop the Cybermen from exiting the tomb, um, and then is electrocuted uh, upon getting the door shut because of the. Uh, the sort of like security measures in place on the tomb. Um, but yeah, he's like the OG Hodor. <laughs> like, I mean, literally like, you know, depicted as a very simple man uh, and says like something about literally says something about holding the door yeah, as his final yeah. line as he shuts it. And then, um, and then goes out uh, like a hero. And then there's this great moment, Nick, that made you gasp at the very end. Do you want to describe the final moment of episode four? Oh yeah! So as they're holding the, uh, as he's holding the door, yeah, a single adorable Cybermat manages to like wiggle through the doorway un- undetected. Yeah. So the episode ends like the 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 units tighter. They're like, all right, bye. The doctor's like, now I I just upped the charge, so I guess if anyone finds it, they'll die, and I just I'll I'll never know about it, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah, but like. But at least we'll never hear from those damn Cybermen ever again. And then, like, the camera pans down, and we see that last Cyberman, like, wiggle towards uh, Porterman's body. Toberman. Toberman's body. Yeah. And, like, implying that, like, he's going to be, like, the new genesis of a new race of Cybermen. Yeah. And I just thought that was, like, a really cool, like, kind of Twilight Zone monster movie. Review. That I'm fairly certain is never, ever paid off. <laughs> but... <laughs> but I love it. I love that it's a. That I I love I love the implication. The implication. Yeah. <laughs> well, now I know what my Doctor Who spec can be about. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Just fill in that gap. So, what do we think about Tomb of the Cybermen as a whole? I still really like this one. Like Nick said earlier, a lot of the stuff as far as like social politics. Yeah. Um, yeah. Treatment of people. Yes. Um, <laughs> Has aged poorly, which sucks because it's like we're still in the 25th century and like being crappy to black people. That sucks. Yeah. But yeah. No, I um, I really like this one. I like Troughton in it. Mm -hmm. 
Jamie and Victoria are fun. I always like a good Cyberman story because there's so few, like, actually good Cyberman stories. Mm -hmm. And I think the thing I like about this is it's just like a, it's got like a turn of the century, like, I don't know, like Indiana Jones vibe, but like in the future, Mm -hmm. but simultaneously in the past. I don't know. I like, it's- Like Prometheus. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it, I, I agree with Kaz. Yeah, it was really had a fun kind of spelunking Tomb Raider vibe. But and like I really like the crew, I really like the ensemble, and I think I'm starting to learn that I prefer proto alien Doctor Who episodes as opposed to like you 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 could you worded it really well, Scott, the other day of like tribe A and tribe B aren't getting along and like politics. Yeah. And like there's like a, a a city advisor that's like scheming to like you know yeah um yeah and like i feature some really cool i really like the dalek uh, the cyberman design i thought they looked really cool i thought the sets were really cool i really liked the i love the dynamic between jamie and the doctor mm-hmm. and as i like i mentioned earlier i really liked victoria's arc like she when she saves when she like tears the cyberman's arm off as like he's, it's trying to get through the portal or the, mm-hmm. the hole yeah i just and i'm i'm excited to see this crew keep going yeah yeah i like this story too um you know with all of the caveats that you guys mentioned but i do like that the cybermen are legitimately uh intimidating Mm -hmm. in this episode you know given what they're working with in terms of like costumes and budget um but like legitimately like uh intimidating there's a really great line where the cyber controller is talking to jamie and the doctor and a few other people about you know, controlling them and being one of them and et cetera, et cetera. And uh, Jamie says, but we're humans. We're not Cybermen. And then the cyber controller says, you will be, which is legitimately like intimidating and like kind of creepy in a, in a really cool way. It's much more intimidating and creepy and scary coming from these kind of Cybermen where you can see the humanity still there. Yeah. As opposed to in the Russell T Davies era when they would say stuff like that and you would just be like, I mean, I guess like big chonky robot toys. Yeah. Right. It's not, it's, it's hard to like reckon with the fact that those things used to be human because they don't look remotely human. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the fact that these look human, adds to the creepiness and so when they say stuff like that it's like ugh, yikes yeah like whenever you remember that they are like pieces and parts of humans inside of there yeah that were like forcibly you know what i mean like when you get into like how they work they're like super creepy and, mm-hmm. and gross and mm-hmm. but so often they just become like t- nutcracker toy men yes dudes. totally totally yeah so like I, I I do really like this story. I think it's really entertaining. A lot of the stuff doesn't hold up. There's a few really good Doctor Who classic Doctor Who episodes that are similar in that fashion where you're yep. like, wow, this episode's really good, except for that one thing that's horrible. <laughs> except for that one thing that's part of the plot or Yeah, that is extremely racist or bad. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there there's quite a few episodes that are like that. Um and this is uh no exception unfortunately um but uh the stuff that works works really well and uh yeah it was it was fun revisiting i think this is this is a really solid cyberman story i think it's it's one of the best for sure and like for some reason i feel worth mentioning that to me it seemed like one of the more accessible episodes of the classic era that i've yeah. seen 
the 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 Troughton era in general is paced a lot better than the first Doctor's era. Yes, yeah. Um, the first Doctor's era almost feels like everyone's doing improv and like bad improv, like bad slow improv. <laughs> whereas, <laughs> whereas the second Doctor's era starts ramping up the pace a little bit better. Um, and I think that the the whole the whole show sort of um gets more accessible as a result. I think so. Anyway. Tomb of the Cybermen, indeed. Tomb of the Cybermen. And in the end, we were all the Tomb of the Cybermen. The, tomb of, the real Tomb of the Cybermen were the friends we made along the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually. <laughs> oh, God. Actually, that makes, that makes more sense than I'd care to admit or, or would like to think about. So anyway, what's, what's, what, 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 what's next? What's coming up next, Cass? Uh, next, we're doing Colony in Space. Mm-hmm. Which is another six-parter, but I don't know. I don't remember this one, so it probably is not great. But it'll be fun because it's Pertwee. Yeah, it's Pertwee. It's the master because it's from the season where every episode was the story had the right. master in it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I don't remember the logistics of this one. You just know he's going to karate chop somebody. Yep. Yeah. I thought I thought this was one episode, and then it's I six, I, and then I real no no no. I mean, I thought it was I thought it was a different episode. Okay. Um, and then found out that it wasn't. I thought it was um, I think the one of the Peladin epi- episodes stories. Um, oh, 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 I thought it was like the murder mystery one, and I was like, yeah. oh, no, that's that's no. a fun one, but it's not that one. <laughs> um, Alas, it's not that one. Yeah. Uh, Joe. Oh, Joe. Okay. Joe. I was like, who's Joe? Oh, Joe. <laughs> J-O. Joe. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Joe, Joe is the companion and, uh, Pertwee's the doctor and, uh, we're in a colony in space. That's all I know. That's, mm-hmm. the, and the master's in it. The master will be there somehow. Yeah. Um, and probably not revealed until like the second or third episode. He's probably going to have another like crappy latex mask that he like rips off and he's like that could very well be racist yes Um, yeah my name is guy incognito (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah uh i don't i don't remember it i know i've seen it but i don't remember it yeah Uh, we'll we'll find out together we'll know him immediately the second he he enters camera that's probably true (laughs) although delgado doesn't do a lot of costumes no that's mostly that's mostly ainley yeah that's more of an ainley thing yeah um Okay, cool. Well, Colony in Space. Um, you should check out our Patreon, uh, duelinggenre.com slash support. As we talked about a couple of weeks ago, we've got uh, some goals. And uh, if we reach one of those goals, then we'll be able to vote on um, some bonus content that we're planning on uh, making for this show. Um, you know, we're, we, there's, there's like, we want to do like spinoff stuff maybe. And that, that would all be for the main feed, not for uh Patreon, but in order to do it, we need to pass that Patreon goal. And then it needs to be voted on the pa- voted on by the patrons. Um, and that first goal is a hundred patrons. So, uh, become a Patreon supporter at duelinggenre.com slash support. And once we cross that 100 threshold, uh, we'll be able to do a bonus show. Um, so Look into that. Check it out. See if it's worth your time. There's lots of bonus content that is exclusive to Patreon that I think you'll want to be a part of. Um, we're we're all doing stuff. Uh, uh, Cass is uh, leading a uh, a mini series called Dueling Genre versus Buffy the Vampire Slayer season one, where we're talking about every episode of 
Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and uh, Cass is the host of that miniseries. Yeah. Um, so if you want to hear us talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you'll want to be a Patreon subscriber. Or there's Dueling Genre Tonight, which is a show that I host with um, a revolving panel of Dueling Genre hosts where we talk about uh, the week's entertainment news, uh, amongst other things. So that will be uh, that'll be a really fun show if uh, you're into listening to us Listening to our opinions of entertainment news, um, I think that'll be a really fun show. It was uh, uh, long requested, a show in that format. So I'm excited to get to that. Um, also, check out our duelinggenre.com slash merch, th- merch uh, page. That's at TeePublic. Um, duelinggenre.com slash merch. Go there and uh, check out the shirts we have. We have new uh, credit shirts. Uh, check those out. Tell me if you like them or if you have any suggestions for other ones. I would like to do some Doctor Who ones. Let me know. If there's any in particular that you would be interested in, are you just interested in like showrunner credits? Do you want actor credits? Um, you know, do you want me to do like um, like fake credits, like credits that don't exist, like like a like a I don't know, like a David Tennant and Billy Piper shirt, you know, like something like that, where it's like there are two credits together on a shirt. Um, I I I would never wear that. I wouldn't be caught dead in that shirt personally. But <laughs> uh, maybe maybe uh, maybe uh, 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 David Tennant and uh, I don't know someone else. Um, <laughs> Christopher Eccleston and Billy Piper. That's a shirt I would wear. Nice. Um, anyway, in any event, you guys know how I feel about those uh, that that pair. Um, and uh, yeah, let me know about all of that. And then we'll be back next week to talk about uh, the first half of The Colony in Space. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.